I'm going to ask you to turn to the very first book of the Bible. You have a copy of the scriptures with you. Genesis number 18. <clears throat> and then we'll be turning in the New Testament to the Gospel of Luke. And that will be chapter 11. Luke number 11. Genesis 18. And then there's one verse that we'll call our attention to on our way to Luke, and that's in Ezekiel 22. Genesis 18, Luke 11, Ezekiel 22. I asked the folks to turn to three places the other evening. There's some preacher boys on the front row. And I heard one say to another, surely he'll find a sermon in one of those places. So, <laughs> But I trust the Lord will tie this together tonight. Genesis 18, Luke 11, and then Ezekiel chapter 22, one verse there. My joy to open God's Word with you again, and it's a joy to... Welcome those that are visiting with us, and a real blessing to see Alan and Mrs. Williams tonight. We appreciate uh, them taking time to stop by. I told him if uh, he'd have called ahead of time, I might have got a new sermon for him. So <laughs> You may feel like the trio up in Bristol area. I've been going in the Bristol area for, oh my, nearly 30 years, and in the oh, Tri-County area, I preach five or six times a year, all up in that area, Kingsport, Bristol. Up in Chilhowie and Lebanon. And there's a trio of singers there in a church, I think, out of the Bristol area there. But they come to about all of those meetings. I see them at least three or four times a year. And one of them said to me one evening after the sermon, he said, Brother Hurt, we appreciate your message, but we'd heard it before. I told him I appreciate those songs, but I'd heard some of them before. Amen. <laughs> singers do that, then the preacher ought to be able to do that. I tell you, I enjoyed the music. I feel like we've been to church tonight. Amen. I said to Brother Allen, I said, that's good music. You'd have to go a long ways to beat that if you could. And uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the spirit of it. I appreciate the touch of God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I understand that to say literally where the spirit is Lord where he's in control, where he reigns, there's liberty. And we appreciate him being in control in this place tonight. I'm not going to read much scripture. I'd just like to call our attention. Abraham is before us in Genesis 18. And he's just been visited by the Lord. Verse 2 says there's three men stood by him. He will learn that one of these three is the Lord Himself. The other two, when they get down into Sodom over the next chapter, they're called angels in verse 1. So these two messengers, these angels, and the Lord has paid Abraham a visit. Made a wonderful promise to him. And uh, they're leaving now as they go on their way, Abraham, he, he goes with them. 
And the Lord said, I'll not keep from Abraham that that I'm about to do. Abraham's my friend, so I'll share with him what's about to happen. And it disturbed Abraham. God said, if the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is as great, and that city is as wicked as it's been reported, then the judgment of God will fall. That disturbed, I repeat, that disturbed Abraham. Abraham has a nephew down there, and he's, I think, as close maybe as a son to him. He, for the most part, raised him. And the first intercessory prayer that's recorded in the Bible, it begins in verse 23. Abraham did what we'll have to do if we become a people of prayer. He drew near. And he begins to plead with the Lord. He says, in essence, Lord, if you if you'd find 50 righteous people, that is, 50 people rightly related to you, we'd say 50 saved people, redeemed people. Would, uh, if you find 50 righteous in that city, would you judge that city? And God said, I'll spare the, I'll spare all the place for their sakes. And then he moves from 50 and comes to 45, 40, 30, 20. He comes down to 10. And the Lord responded in verse 33 or verse 32, and he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Now get the picture. Abraham's pleading with God, and he reduces that number from 50 all the way down to 10, and God says, if I find ten righteous people in the city, I'll spare the place. And the scripture says in verse 33, the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. But you students are aware there was not 50 righteous people in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. So when you look at verse 29 of the next chapter, it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, in verse 24 says he rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone fire from the Lord out of heaven. And when that happened, when he destroyed the cities of the plain, look at verse 29, right in the middle of it. God remembered Abraham. In what sense? Well, back there in chapter 18, pleading with him. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities into which Lot dwelt. Literally, it says God heeded his plea. Abraham was pleading with God on the behalf of another. And God heeded his plea. In the book of Ezekiel, there's a very interesting verse in chapter number 22. In verse 30, it's God talking to us out of this inspired text. Ezekiel's day was a day like the one we just read about. The wickedness of man was calling for the wrath of God. But this is very interesting what God tells us. Before that happened, God says in verse 30, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. Now get the picture. God says he was looking for a man. Just one man. And should he find that man that would qualify to stand before him for the land, God said, I would not destroy it. 
This is rather shocking. God says, I found none. Went out looking. He saw it. He's put forth an effort. Judgment's his strange work. He doesn't want to have to do that. But he didn't find one. Therefore, have I poured out mine indignation upon them? I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Our Lord's in prayer in Luke chapter 11. He finished praying and having prayed and the disciples was observing and I think hearing. And they responded by saying, Lord, teach us to pray. I don't wonder. Had you heard him talk to his father? I don't wonder they would say, teach us to pray. He gave what we oftentimes refer to as the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. It's a pattern prayer. It's the prayer that teaches us to pray. That's verses 2, 3, and 4. But notice, he's still responding to their request. He, he didn't say amen at the end of verse 4. He's going to give us a parable and a promise about this business of prevailing prayer. He said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine and his journeys come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Now that's his parable. Here's his promise. And I say to you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I was in a meeting. It's been a while ago now, and they'd asked me when they scheduled the meeting if I would uh, spend a few days in the area in a Bible conference. I was with four churches. These churches came together, and I, I was in each of those uh, places. Uh, they spent a couple days here, and a couple here, and then a couple. Then I think the last uh, place we was there about four days. And the preacher said, "Brother Hurd, if you don't mind, there'll be a couple different times, maybe three. Uh, you'll be in some different activity. There'll be a preacher's meeting. There'll be a another conference that you'll be taken to in a day day service, and then." He said, if you won't mind, we'll have an hour with a radio and a television station. They are combined there. And uh, they take an hour and they interview a guest and just simply ask questions. And he said, we've arranged for you to spend that hour with them, if you don't mind. And said, uh, we've asked them to keep their questions to the subject of the conference. Christian radio there and Christian TV. And... Uh, I was introduced as being the speaker in the Bible conference concerning prayer. The host pastor said, we've asked Brother Hurt to come in, and we've asked him to, as the Lord permits him and leads him, if he would take the subject of prayer each evening in these four different churches and just talk to us about how we can get our prayers answered. Among the questions that was asked, one of them, uh, it still lingers with me, if you'd have heard the question and Later, I met the folks and got acquainted with them. It's obvious the person was a little nervous, and 
identified themselves by saying she did as her and her husband being very young in the Lord. And she said, let me see if I can remember how she put the question. She said, preacher, have we understood correctly that the Bible teaches that there is a kind of prayer that God will let one person plead with him on the behalf of another. Hear her question again. Is there a prayer, a type of prayer is the way she put it, taught in the Bible that God will let one person plead with him on the behalf of another? My response to her was, I said, I believe you've identified uh, a type of biblical praying as well as I've ever read or heard it identified. Scripture refers to it as intercessory prayer. Pleading with God on the behalf of another. And then her question was a little more involved. She said then, also, we've been taught that God would answer our prayer on the behalf of another even if the other is not interested. They're not concerned. To be honest, they're just the opposite, she said. Have we been taught correctly that God will let us plead with Him on the behalf of another and the other's not even interested at all, doesn't care for God, doesn't want to hear things about God, she put it. She said... Will God answer a prayer like that and do something for a person? And my response was still positive. Well, as I said, I met the folks and I was challenged with my response to that question by a preacher. Preachers has a way of doing that. And he said, Brother Hurt, did I understand correctly that you believe that God will let one talk to him and he'll force the will of another when they're not even willing. And I said, no, sir, you didn't hear me say that. If I said that, then I didn't mean to say it. And if I implied it, I didn't mean to even imply that. I said, if I remember correctly, what I did say in answer to the question was this, that God will let one person talk to him, he'll listen to them, he'll, he'll answer their prayer and do something for another that's not interesting. You see, God being who He is, a sovereign God, He doesn't have to force a person's will. God can work in such a way that a person that's at first not interested can become interested. And when God goes to work, He really gets people's attention. I won't go into any detail, but I had a brother, a brother that's older than me, he's a preacher, and been like a dad somewhat to me. He got saved a little while before I did and began to witness to me. To be honest with you, I wasn't interested. And to say the least, I mean, I just didn't want to hear it. I rent a house from him. He, I jokingly say now, I, I think he is serious. He, he'd come collect weekly. He didn't trust me for a month, I don't guess. And he'd come weekly to get his rent. And I tell you, he'd come in my presence and, uh, I mean, without exception, he'd have a word. For me, and it'd be from the Lord to me. And though I was not interested, I learned later they went to an old-fashioned church that believed in prayer, and they had intercessory prayer ministry where you go and sign up somebody praying all the time. 
I mean, where they just talk to God and stay with God. And some leaves and others comes to God. When they give requests, I was told later that your brother, without exception, with tears, would always say, pray for my brother. He'd say he doesn't seem to be interested, but God can change his mind. (laughs) I finally told him, trying to get him off my back, and that was in the fall of the year, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go to church with you, and I'll go Easter. (laughs) He said, Easter, you know when that is? Well, I wasn't sure, but I knew it wasn't next week. (laughs) Easter rolled around, and I went. I tell you, I... I had never been, and I don't brag about this. I was a 25 year old man, God saved me, never been to Sunday school in my life. We had nothing to do with church. I knew nothing about God, never read a Bible. That's nothing to brag about, but it's a fact. So I knew nothing about the things of God. I walked in there that day, that building full of people. I'd never heard anything like it in my life. That preacher had the longest index finger of every man I ever saw and pointed at me every time. Man, I'd look at him, he'd point, and I'd get behind him, he'd over here and look again. Push his sleeves up. I thought, my, is he going to fight? What's wrong with the fellow? Oh, did God come in that place on that Easter Sunday? I didn't get saved that day, but a few days later I did. As I look back upon it, it was because someone began to plead with God on my behalf, when I was not interested, and everything started becoming a sermon to me. God began to work. Sovereign God began to work in my circumstances in such a way that He got my attention. He got me interested. And I'm convinced as well as I know my name, when the record is is open, someone was praying. I'm convinced there's hardly any of heaven gets saved unless somebody's been praying causes God to begin to work. God lets us participate in, in, in this business of, of salvation and redemption and being a partner with Him and reaching. And, and prayer is so vital. Intercessory prayer. Where people pray, people get saved. Where there's not much prayer, hardly ever anybody gets saved. So you go around where people has learned to stay with God, plead with God, and I promise you people is always being saved because God saves souls in answer to prayer. Well, the pastor that had brought me into that area, he said, Brother Hurd, if God will permit you, I want you to preach on intercessory prayer at our place before you leave. And then he said this, he said, uh, I'd like to also request that you bring a message from what you consider to be the most encouraging and helpful passage in the Scripture on intercessory prayer. Well, that's a big request. And you understand that there's so many passages that talks about this business of pleading with God for other people. Where would you go? Would you go to that first one where Abraham is pleading in such a way that God remembers Abraham and spares Lot? Would you go over where Moses was so broken that he said, God, if you can't do something for my people, just remove me, wipe me out? Would you go there where... They began to stand before God and Moses became a little weary and they placed his hands and they would help him and hold up his hands toward heaven and God's people would prevail, win the victory as long as someone is interceding. Where would you go? Would you go to Daniel's praying? Elijah on Mount Carmel? 
I prayed about it. I was not to close now for nearly a week. And I simply said to him, Lord, I, I want to honor your servant's request. I want to speak to him on intercessory prayer, but I want you to speak to me. What do you want me to say to him? Out of what portion of your scriptures? What chapter? What story? What text? In just my daily reading, I was reading through this portion of God's Word. I've never heard God audibly. I do not claim to hear Him as I hear you speak. But if I can say it without being boastful, God speaks to my needy heart. In my spirit, He can talk to my... And He said to me clearly reading this, Oh, He just arrested my attention. He said, Here it is. This is intercessory. Here's somebody knocking on a door, not for himself, but for someone else. Someone he's responsible for. Someone that's knocked on his door and is hungry and he has nothing to set before him. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And Jesus said he got what he was after, not because of friendship, but because of importunity. He got up and gave him what he wanted. And the Lord said, now let me promise you, if you can learn to ask and to seek and to knock in the way He did, you can get what you're after. Somebody needs some warm bread tonight. And you're responsible for them. Could be your son or daughter, mom or dad, brother or sister. Could be your neighbor. Oh, if somehow we could sense and feel that urgency of it. It's a midnight hour. When He gave this story, and keep in mind, He's still responding to that request, Lord, teach us to pray. He gave what we call basic praying in the model prayer. And I think he's assuming if we're ever going to be intercessors, we have to first of all have a quiet time daily going in the closet, closing the door, and getting our own needs met. You see, if my spiritual needs are not being met, I'll never move to a higher level of intercessory prayer. And some of us, we haven't really met the condition that's being assumed here before he talks about the parable. Day by day, meeting him, Meeting Him alone, worshiping Him, getting our needs met, forgiving those that's wronged us and getting forgiveness from Him, and then moving to that higher level of being able to receive from Him so we'll have something for those that we're responsible for that's crossing our paths. Well, I, I came to His pulpit. They are a people of prayer, so... I said to him to try to talk to the people as you are, a people of prayer, about the subject. Um, I always sense my need and my inadequacy when I stand before God's people, but never as much as when I come with a subject like this. I'm not assuming to, uh, you know, arrived and therefore I got a right to talk to you. I'm a fellow pilgrim trying to learn this business of prayer. And here's what the Lord said to me. There's three principles of prevailing prayer if we're going to become an intercessor, that we can stand between God and a loved one, maybe hold back the judgment of God. I thought this afternoon, Brother Ken, when I was reading that text again over in that room, it seemed the Lord said to my own heart, if I came in your community looking for a man, I wonder if I could find one. I came where you live, I wonder if I'd find one that could qualify as an intercessor. And if you understand the imagery, that's Old Testament imagery of an intercessor standing there before him in the gap for the land. But God said, I didn't find one in Ezekiel's day. I wonder if he'd find us, any of us that would qualify. What are the principles of prevailing intercessory prayer? I see three of them here. And the first one, 
comes to us in two or three different uh, places in this parable, in the promise, but first in the parable, look, look at the word he uses in verse 8. It's the key to it, really. It's that word importunity. We're not real familiar with it. We don't use that word now. Someone said, Brother Hurt, that means persistence. I understand it means a little bit more than just mere persistence. It, it really means shameless persistence. Here's a fellow. He wouldn't be embarrassed. He wouldn't be intimidated. He doesn't care who he's awakening out of sleep. The man inside tries to run him off and he won't leave. The fellow inside said, I cannot get up. Go away. The children are with me in bed and they're asleep. You're about to wake this whole house up. But he doesn't care. Importunity means shameless persistence. He won't be embarrassed, intimidated, and discouraged. He just keeps knocking on that door. Jesus teaching us how to pray. You've got any little ones at your place. You know it takes almost an act of Congress to get them sleep at night. <laughs> and here they are in the bed. Midnight. And they're all asleep. And he's about to wake him up. I called home some time ago, and I got home on a Thursday. Lord willing, I will this week, and I have to be home a couple of days. And I said to my wife, we have five grandchildren. I said, you know, I got an idea. I hadn't seen all of them lately. And I said, how about getting them all to come to our place Friday night? And all five of them, two boys, one has three, the other has two. And my wife said, all five at once? <laughs> she said, oh, you must be kidding. I said, no, I I haven't seen them. She said, I see them on a regular basis. <laughs> she takes care of two of them daily. Four girls and a little boy. Uh, Josh, she said, John, now this goes back a year or so, so he'd have been about four. Let's see, Lucinda would have been about five. Alicia would have been the oldest. She'd have been about seven. And Letitia, she'd have been, what, six. And, and they're all in that age. And oldest one about seven or eight. And the youngest one here, here he is, little bitty fella. Well, I prevailed and... And uh, so she said, all right, one condition. You're going to stay up with me and you're going to help me? I said, I will. About 11.30, I told her I felt led to go to my study for a while. And so <laughs> she said, if you do, God will drop a rock on you back there. And it was midnight and Josh was the last one we finally got to bed. My point is, if my neighbor... Preacher up the street there. If he'd have been down knocking on my door after that, well, I'd have probably run him off. Amen. Waking these young ones up. That's the picture. Midnight. I mean, that's unusual. You went to bed early in that culture in that day. You didn't walk the streets at midnight. And here he is at midnight. Everybody's asleep. And he will not take no for an answer. He won't be intimidated. He's not discouraged. He faints not. He just keeps on knocking on that door. And our Lord is telling us how we can be an intercessor. Let me put in a little outline for him. The first principle, I call it steadfast praying. Praying that's not easily discouraged. Praying that doesn't lose heart. Praying that doesn't give up when it runs into a little discouraging obstacle. Steadfast, importunity, persistent, shameless persistent. Just staying there. Not only do I see the principle of steadfast praying, but it's what I call tonight specific praying. Specific praying. I mean by that, it's not just a vague general prayer. I mean, he's got something on his mind as he knocks on that door and he tells the fellow what he wants. It's bread. But he's even more specific than that. He tells him how much bread. He wants three loaves. Now, I can be misunderstood. I have been here, so I, I want to 
pause and, and make a statement lest you misunderstand me. So listen carefully. I don't think it's wrong to say, Lord, heal the sick, save the lost, and bless the church. A lot of our praying is like that. But think it through. That's pretty vague. That's pretty general. I don't find that kind of vague, indefinite, general praying taught in the Bible. Study the prayers of the Bible. I looked at the tape the other day, the tape catalog they're putting out, and it was in my last pastor. I preached 75 different sermons on prayer in those five years, and we just took prayers of the Bible. That's my way of trying to teach the Bible. And we'd take Abraham's prayer. We, we called it Abraham, lead us in prayer. Took Moses' prayer. Moses will lead us in prayer. Jabez will lead us in prayer. We just studied the prayers and let them lead us and try to learn from their prayer. And I find they're, they're not vague. They're not indefinite. They're not general, kind of around the world. Oh, no. You'll find people coming to God with something on their mind. Coming to God with an object, a goal. Coming to God with somebody on their heart. And our Lord is teaching us how to prevail, how to win, how to obtain, how to get that that we need for another. And not only is it steadfast praying, don't lose heart, don't give up, don't faint, stay there until the answer comes. But it's specific praying, asking for bread. I asked a preacher, he's with the Lord now, he preached on prayer. He didn't call it specific praying, he called it particular praying. And uh, he he had a way, especially on prayer, really speaking to my heart. And uh, he uh, he'd wear his glasses and he'd wear them down like this and look down at you while he's preaching. And he was in our city years ago. And I sat right up there the first night, got right up toward the front. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that he wasn't real high on amens. And I amened him rather loudly and he looked at me. And, uh, you know, a little bit later, I mean, I came from a background just... Amen's a good word. I still like it. Amen. Amen is, you know, like sicking to a dog. I mean, that's, that's hanging the preacher on. And so he said something. I said, Amen. Boy, in a few minutes, he got real close to where I was living. Boy, you're talking about getting close. And man, I'm just looking at him. And he's looking at me. He said, where's your amen now? I looked up and he's looking at me. Big hundreds of people there. I said, he said, yeah, what's your amen now? He said, am I still telling the truth? I said, amen. <laughs> Somebody said, the dog's got you with a leg chewing on you. you don't, I mean, you don't sick him, amen. You want to turn loose. But, oh, he, oh, did he bring a message on prayer. Search my heart. That's kind of new. I hadn't, I hadn't been in with the Lord too long, and I was with a group, didn't even know him. The group I was with in those days, uh, I've always been saying, believe the book, but I wasn't always a Baptist. And, and I was with a group, and I was there, and listened to him, and boy, did God speak to my heart. And I asked him some questions after services. Three of us, and they wanted me to, you know, to be the spokesman, so I asked him. I wasn't bashful. I asked him some questions about what he's talking about. And I said, what's wrong with us when we can't be specific? I, he called it particular. Definite praying. i never forget his answer to me. He looked me right now and he said, Young man, I like that young man business now, but <laughs> young man, he said one or two things, and maybe both wrong with the prayer when you can't be definite and specific and particular, he calls it. He said, number one, you probably have no faith about what you're talking about. You probably don't even believe it's going to happen, so it's just words. 
And he said, number two, you perhaps have no burden about what you're talking about. And he said, you can't be specific and particular if you don't have a burden. I never forgot that. See, real, real praying, and I think it's the only kind of praying that, that is real, it starts with a sense of need. It starts with a burden. Rest of it, we just learn how to say words. It's rhetoric. It's like a Pharisee honoring the Lord with her lips, drawing nigh with her mouth, but her heart's far from us. It's not out of a heart that's burdened and concerned. And it's hard for me to be specific if I don't have a burden about that person or that what I'm praying about. So our Lord is telling us, I think if we're going to be we're going to prevail, we need to pray specifically. Pray steadfastly. This seems a little redundant to say this, but it's here in the text, and I call it pray seriously. Steadfastly, don't lose heart. Specifically, have a burden enough that you can call that girl's name, that boy's name, that mom, dad's name. Oh, it's not a general around the world. Now, don't miss me. I don't think a person is wrong to say, Lord, save the lost. And I don't think you're wrong to say, bless the church. But what do you mean, bless the church? That's pretty vague. What kind of blessing are you asking for? Church needs a whole lot of different kinds of blessings. And see, the Bible teaches we're to zero in and, and, and pray specifically for that need. And then pray seriously. Here's a fellow boy at midnight. You talk about got his heart in this business. He's not playing games. How badly do you want God to answer that prayer? Did you ask yourself that question? How serious are we? Are we serious enough to make a commitment? Live or die? Sink or swim? How important is the soul of our loved one to us? Is it worth losing a night of sleep? Fasting some meals? Staying with God till the answer comes? I talk with a man who's with the Lord and he's been there a few months. He's been preaching about as long as I've been living. And Oh, has he had revivals in the past. And I said to him, I said, why aren't we seeing that in our age? God's the same. The need's the same. The word's the same. You know what he said to me? He said, we, God's people, don't see the need of God anymore. He said, Brother Hurt, it used to be we didn't even give, we didn't even give invitations till after a week or two of preaching to the saints of God. Didn't start to, you wouldn't think about giving an invitation two or three weeks of preaching. He said, till God's people was thoroughly broken. He said, fallow ground has to be broken before there's a harvest. He said, I've seen the saints of God as he referred to them. He said, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night around the altars. And he said, they used to be, and his word was, oh, they had the oh in their prayer. They cried, oh, God. Well, he said that in big tears filled his eyes. He said, you don't see much of that anymore. We've got a little lay me down kind of can prayer, lay me down to sleep kind of a prayer, and we say a little quick prayer and we're gone. Serious praying. Our Lord, I believe, is saying to my heart, at least tonight, if you'll be steadfast, and I mean by steadfast praying is not how long you pray at a, at a time. I don't think one person can tell another person how long they can pray. Steadfast, persistent praying is praying today and praying again tomorrow and praying till, the, till you get through until the end. You don't give up until you prevail. He says men ought always to pray and not to faint. That means don't lose heart, don't quit until you get that answer. I was preaching about 100 miles from where I live, maybe 130. And I had been asking that meeting to talk about prayer that week. And I was there five, five nights, so Sunday through Thursday. And there was some other churches participating. And the nights, at least, they weren't in their service. And there was a couple. They was there Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And uh, 
They talked to me Thursday evening, and she didn't. The talking and the burden was hers for her dad. And she said, Brother Hurt, uh, she said, I never quite understood prayer, intercessory prayer, she mentioned, uh, until this week. And she was kind to me, and she thanked me for the message, and said, God has helped me as you preached about intercessory prayer. She said, my father's unsaved, and he's kind of like the illustration you use, the person not interested. To say the least, he's just, he's not interested, and he doesn't even want us to talk to him. Mother's a Christian. Mom and dad separated and divorced when I was young. Uh, dad has another family, and, and I'm saved. My brother's saved. Mother's saved, but said dad is not saved. And to be honest, I'd not given up on him. She said I had lost heart. I just, she said, to be honest, as I really took some inventory, I, I just didn't really have a, a meaningful prayer life for the soul of my father till this week, and I believe it's going to be different. And if you would have heard her and sensed what I sensed, I believe you would agree with me, she's talking out of her heart. You're talking about being serious. And she quoted these words back to me. She said, I'm going to try to be steadfast. I'm going to be specific. And I'm going to be serious. I'm going to mean business. She said, I understand you're going to be at First Baptist. And she named the church in the town. And I said, the Lord willing, this was in January. I'll be there in April. She said, Daddy lives in that town. And she said, Daddy's office is pretty close to the church. Daddy is the sheriff of that county, and the sheriff's office is, is pretty close to the First Baptist Church there. And she said, we're going to pray that Daddy will go to church. Now keep in mind, he didn't go to any church. He wasn't even interested. We're going to pray that Daddy will go to that church while you're there. And then she said, with such emotion and sincerity, she said, we're going to pray God will save Daddy in that meeting. I repeat, if you'd have sensed what I sensed, and you know, I mean, she's not asking me to join in that specific prayer. She's just telling me, God helping her, what she's going to do. Four months has passed. God hears this. I'm seated here. I've walked up and had a seat as the soloist is blessing us, and I'm to stand up and speak. He introduced me before she came and had me to come on up and be seated. And while she's blessing us, he said, Brother Hurt, there are people this morning with two exceptions. There's a lady here. Uh, she's a Christian, I think, but said there's a man here. I'm pretty sure he's not saved. And said, I, I really couldn't believe it when he came in. He said, our sheriff is here this morning. <laughs> now, I hadn't, to be honest, I hear requests all the time. I hadn't thought of that. I said, your sheriff, what's his name? And, and he told me, boy, it clicked with me. I said, man. I said, where's he at? He said, don't look now because he's, he's staring right at us. And he described where he was at. And as I said this morning, my glasses off. I can see to read some without them, but I can't see past the front row. I can't tell if you're smiling or frowning when I take them on. And I slip my glasses on, and sure enough, there he was. Great, big, tall fella. And, uh, he just, I mean, he's looking right at me. When, and we made eye contact. I felt led to take my glasses back on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I preached the best I could and met him after service, asked him to come back that night. And he was committed. I said to him, hey, I said, I, I met your daughter and son-in-law. And he said, yeah, I know. I heard about it, he said. And he said, I wouldn't promise him, but he said, I, I just thought, well, I don't guess it hurt me to go one time. She, she's been after me and wants me to go. And I said, well, I trust it didn't hurt you. I don't think it did. I said, how about coming back? I can't tonight. Tomorrow night, I wouldn't promise you, Richard. Monday night, there he was. Tuesday night, there he was. Wednesday night, there's the sheriff again. Thursday night, there's his daughter and son-in-law on that second row, and he's with them. I couldn't tell you how God came in that room that night. Oh, I, from the very beginning, like it was in hearing your music, God just settled in that first Baptist in a special way.
God's power and presence was so manifest. She's down here, her husband beside of her. She's not being conspicuous, just calling attention to herself. She's not screaming, but I can hear. She can't help herself. She means business. Her heart is breaking. Oh my God. Oh God, don't let daddy go to hell. Oh God, save daddy. I looked at him. He's got a whole tattoo in front of him. He's looking at them. He'd look at me. I motioned to come outspoken, a deep bass voice. I motioned. And he loudly and quickly responded. He said, no. And he meant it. He didn't come either. Back on the way out back there. I said, how about tomorrow night? I'm not sure. He said, Friday night to last night. I walked up here to speak and looked back there and there he was again. All the time I'm preaching, I'm crying out in my heart, oh God, save that man. Oh God, save that man. Lord, I believe that daughter of his has meant business. I said I could sense the brokenness and I, Lord, I, I think she's, she's qualifying for an intercessor. Please, Lord, save him. He still didn't come, but he did something he hadn't done all week. Invitation, he put his hand up and just held it up. Heads are bowed and I'm looking at him, motion would come and he shook his head and he still didn't come. I got back there at the door of the pastor's study and I called him his name and I said, more than I could think of anything in this world. I want to see you get saved. Don't leave. And he said, I'm embarrassed to tell you, I'm, I know nothing about God. I know nothing about religion, he put it. I said, you don't have to know much. You know you need God? Yes, I do. You believe God loves you? Yes, I believe it. You believe Jesus died? Yes. I said, that's all you need to know. I said, let's go in the pastor's study and less time it takes me to tell you about it. He dropped on his knees. You ought to heard him pray. Oh, he got saved. And I've said that to say this. The moment he trusted our Lord. You know what he started saying? Call that daughter by name. Saying, oh God. Lord, I'm glad she didn't give up on me. Even when I was rude to her, I'm glad, Lord, she kept on loving me and praying for me. And she'd tell me, Daddy, and he told me, said, my daughter's fasted some these days and skipped meals to try to keep me out of hell. And he said, oh, he said, I, and his word was, I'm not worth that. I said, she thinks you are and Jesus thinks you are. Well, I said to him and tried to help him get his assurance. And I didn't have to help him much. He had it, amen. And I said this to him. I said, do you mind if I open the door and, and tell the pastor outside you just got saved? He said, I don't mind if you open the door and tell everybody out there I got saved. And I made an announcement. I said, the sheriff got saved. Well, that preacher told me after that, a year or two, he said, I believe, said, I've pastored, I think he, take, he named a number of states he'd been in his ministry. He said, my wife and I have agreed we haven't had effective witness in our ministry like the sheriff. And said, Brother Hurt, he really believes in prayer. He gets a burden for someone and then he gets broken and he bathes them in prayer and he gets other people to help him pray. And then when he goes, he usually brings them to God. I wonder how long it's been since we steadfastly, specifically, and seriously got somebody on our heart and said, Oh God, oh, don't let my daddy, my mother, my brother, my sister, don't let my son go to hell, God. Don't let my daughter go to hell, God. It's still, God says, when we sow in tears, we can reap in joy. Some of us have lost that oh out of our praying and brokenness. That sense of our responsibility. If we haven't done our best, they may not get in. God probably won't let someone else cross the path of our loved one and get them saved until we've done our best. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.
all over the room. God's people is in a moment of quietness. Those that's participating is taking their places. Now I've just come to you in my heart tonight. I've already said to you, I've been talking to you about my own need. I wouldn't come and talk to you and assume that I have a right because, you know, I've arrived. I know my need. I know who I am tonight. All over this room, God's people, God's talking to some of us. I thought of somebody this afternoon, somebody dear to me. One time used to be one of the most effective Christians I knew, but he's down. He's discouraged. He's so distant tonight, defeated. God laid him on my heart, so I tried to pray. The Lord said, now, I didn't say that to put him down. I wouldn't do that. He don't need me to put him down. God told me this afternoon, he needs you to hold him up. I wonder tonight, how long has it been? Oh, this business of prayer works. Andrew Murray says, God works in answer to prayer. And God at work is our greatest need. Whatever else we could think of having need tonight, I tell you, God at work in our life is our greatest need as the people of God. And He works in answer to prayer. I'm going to pray. We'll stand. We'll have a burst of a song. Don't miss God tonight. God's talking to a whole lot of us. I know you can do business where you're at, but there's something about coming forward. Don't miss God. If God's talking to you, it may be the very move you make tonight that God honors to win your loved one. He may remember your move tonight and touch that loved one and spare them. The pastor will be coming in a moment. Don't miss him tonight, our Father. Zero in on us now. Don't let this truth get away. May it be seed falling into good ground. Give us back something some of us have lost. Lord, we've gotten away from it. I pray we'll come back to it tonight. Lord, I can remember sometimes, and I'm embarrassed to say, there seemed to be a greater urgency and a brokenness. And I don't want to stay like this. I pray you'd do something for us tonight. Some of us got some loved ones. Lord, they need you. They need you to come to them. Would you do something lasting in our midst here tonight? And we'll honor you for it. We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us. The pastor's coming. God bless you tonight. Don't miss God. It may be your loved one. God lets you reach. While we wait, you come on. Would you do it?